Go for it. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Jeffrey Geisner, founder of the Jewish Culture and Holocaust Remembrance Group on Facebook and YouTube video. Today, we're doing a Obligations of Memory podcast with my friend from San Diego, Isser Flaum. And Isser wrote a terrific book called Under My Bubby's Wings. And here's a little bit of a brief synopsis of the, of the story. This is a true life saga of massive life disruption, harsh treatment, total loss of family, near-death escapes, and years of Nazi enslavement by the author's father and, to some degree, his mother. It is told in the first person's viewpoint of his father's voice, plunging the reader into the predicament. His mother's history is also included, but it's limited because it was a difficult topic for her to discuss. As sole survivors of their birth families, they met after liberation in the DP camp to renew family and life. A theme throughout the author's father's vivid perception that his late grandmother, Bubby, hovers over him as a guardian angel. This accords with a vow she gave to him as a vision on the outside of his ordeals. And boy, if that really doesn't allow us some space to really get into a great story, I don't know what would. So, but before we get into the book and a little bit about your family, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? You, you know, your background, your occupation. Um, you are a second gen as I am. So please share share the with the audience. Who is Izzy? Sure. I was born in Germany, a town called Regen. And uh, my parents had met in a DP camp, Bad Reichenhall DP camp, and where they lived a few years, and then they moved out into a German town, and that's where I was born. Uh, but and shortly, what year, what year was that? Is it? 48, 1948. Uh, but shortly thereafter, uh, they were trying to uh, migrate to the U.S., and they finally got permission and so on. We get the paperwork right. And they moved to the U.S. So I was about, uh, I was less than two years old when we came to the U.S. And uh, spent a little time in Miami, spent a little time in Chicago, but eventually settled in New Haven, Connecticut. Those were the early years of my life. So my early life was growing up in New Haven. And uh, basically, uh, my dad worked in construction, so uh, he was very vulnerable to the weather, you know, very cold in the winter, miserable working, very hot and humid in the summer, also mm -hmm. miserable working. And we had some distant cousins who had moved to California. They said, come on down, the weather's wonderful. So we went and uh, lo and behold, uh, about the fourth grade, we moved to, uh, first of all, the LA area where the co those cousins lived. Uh, but then my dad was looking for work, and he found a really great job down in San Diego. What, so, what, did, what did he do here? He's, he was always in the building trade. And, and now, as my story will show, he actually learned that skill in the concentration camps. Interesting. He worked on st structures and so on, mostly tearing them down. <laughs> but uh, he learned how they're made, you know, uh -huh. by doing that. Uh -huh. So was so, there a company uh, that was there a company that he worked for in San Diego? Yes, I have to admit I don't remember the name. Uh, okay, but after a while he worked at many places. So I see. 
Oh, I, you know Shelter Island? Yes. San Diego. Well, he was there while they were building Shelter Island. He was a, a foreman involved in, in that development. Okay. So, <clears throat> but later on, he moved on to other things. Uh, but and how uh, and how old were you when you came to San Diego? I was fourth fourth grade. Fourth grade. Okay. Fourth grade. We were in L.A. for a very short time. As I said, he was looking for work, and he landed this really great. Uh, 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 for uh, what do you call it? A for, foreman, yeah, look, job in San Diego, and then we moved there, and that's where we stayed uh, for a, a big chunk of my life thereafter. So uh, we grew up. Uh, I grew up from the fourth grade on, and uh, as the years went by, my dad actually became a contractor with some help from me. I actually was the guy who took the test, you know, he wasn't so good in English and so on. So okay. he, he, he knew all the knowledge, but he didn't know how to take tests and pass right. exams and that kind of thing. And I worked with him over the years, especially during college days that we, we'd go. What language, you, what language are you speaking at home? Well, with my parents, I spoke English, okay. but between themselves, they spoke Yiddish. Okay. If Do you know Yiddish? Do you know you? Oh, yeah, I know it very well. Okay. When my, uh, but when they didn't want the kids to understand, they would speak Polish, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Also, the cousins I mentioned, the distant cousins that lived in LA, they spoke German because actually my mom, her original language is German because she, she grew up in Poland, but it was uh, uh, Silesia, a section of Poland, which was originally German. So at her, in her home, they spoke German. So all her relatives spoke German. So tell me a little bit about your mom. You talked a little bit about your father. So tell me <clears throat> more about your mom. My mom, as I mentioned, uh, was much more quiet about her experiences. She was very reserved and timid about it. It's, you could see it was painful for her to talk about it. So I only was able to capture a much smaller well, what, what, what did, did your mom stay home? Did yes, she, she was a stay at home stay-at-home mom to raise the kids and uh and that's basically it and how many brothers and sisters do you have i had a sister unfortunately a few years ago due to health issues she passed away my condolences yeah so uh so that's it i grew up and i went to san diego state the university which was uh, very close to where we lived uh, i could actually take my bike Sometimes, uh, eventually, of course, I drove there. So that's where I got my degree in physics. And uh, then I, I got a stipend to get do graduate work at Duke University. Uh -huh. So I schlepped over to North Carolina. Right. And uh, I was able to uh, study over there. And they paid my, paid my tuition. And they paid for my living expenses because I was a TA, teaching uh -huh. assistant. Mm -hmm. And I got my master's in physics. Now, I always uh, liked the field of electronics. So uh, even though I studied the theoretical stuff, I was also always interested in applied things. So uh, after I got my master's in physics, I came back to San Diego and stayed with my parents a while. And uh, I got an offer at Navy Electronics Lab for an engineer. Huh. And the guy, and the, my boss even said, I know you don't 
didn't study electronics, but I like having a guy under me who's got a master's. So that's where it started. So I actually learned a lot of practical electronic things at work. So when did you get that job? What year, where, what year are we now? I, uh, the, that would be a, okay. Well, let's see. I, I graduated, I got my, I got my master's in 72. So probably about the end of 72 is when I started working in the electronics field. And you were working for the Navy? I started, yeah, Navy Electronics Lab down in Point Loma. Yep. It had a beautiful uh, cafeteria up on the second floor. You could see the whole bay oh. in the city of San Diego in the background. And that's when I learned that the civil service jobs are quite comfortable. <laughs> you know, two-hour lunch breaks in the morning, two-hour coffee break in the afternoon, that kind of thing, schmoozing in the cafeteria and overlooking all the battleships and the bay and right. San Diego. And, and our, our listeners really don't have an understanding how beautiful that is oh it's you know, yeah we often say that coming to san diego we live here but people come here for their vacation all year around and we don't appreciate right what we have in front of us every day yeah. it's pick it's pick picture postcard right view you know of the uh the whole downtown san diego and the bay and coronado island across the mm -hmm. water and it was great but uh, I wanted to move on. I wanted to, to do more design things and so on. So I sent my resume out. And so I landed a job in the uh, Northern LA area. And I got more heavily into design because I wanted to be designing stuff. I wanted to be pre creating new things. And I, so I did, I got into that. And I, and what company did you work for in North? That was, um, I worked for many companies, so it's hard for me to remember all the details, but uh, at the moment it slips my mind. Okay. But it was an aerospace company and we worked, I worked on uh, mine hunting sonars and things of that type. And I did design, design work. And uh, that's when I was living in LA and I uh, started looking around for a female companionship. That's where, that's when I met my wife in LA and then uh, we got married. And the uh, first thing she said is how much do you make? <laughs> I told her, she said, update your resume. <laughs> so I updated my resume and started uh, moving around. And, you know, when you move around, you, you go up in, in salary too. So, right. yeah. and you get new experiences. So uh, for, and actually for a lot of my career, I was actually a consultant. So I didn't even, become an employee. I, uh -huh. I hopped around doing little projects. When that was done, I would move to another project. So, so what, would you, my what, resume, would you, what would you right? say is your expertise as a career? Digital electronic design, both hardware and software. Okay. So uh, uh, if you look at my resume, it's like a who's who of aerospace and high tech companies in Southern California. Uh -huh. And uh, I did commercial things. I worked Oh, I worked on uh, some of the stuff I was most proud of is working on uh, ultrasound equipment. Like when you mm -hmm. go to the doctor yep. and they scan you and yeah. check what's inside of you. I worked for Philips Ultrasound. Nice. They may actually be using equipment, some of which I contributed some of the technology to. Very interesting. Well, so that was a very, very uh, satisfying career. Okay. So when did you retire? I retired... Uh, 
would I would say about four years ago, four, oh. four or five years ago. Okay. And uh, and uh, that was it. And also uh, that's when I started getting interest in uh, because I had time on my hands, and I started remembering my parents had already passed, but I started remembering kind of a a buried obligation to tell their story. Well, that's uh, a great my... seg that's a great segue. So let's start there. But I want to go all the way back to um, where your father grew up and his family customs, whatever sure. whatever you know. Same thing with your mother. So let's start there before we get into the heaviness of of the camps and the work that sure. you're doing. I want to hear about the customs of your that your parents may have talked to you about growing sure. up where they had. So you want your father in Germany, your mother in Poland. No, my father, both in Poland. Both in Poland. Okay. Both in Poland. But my mother was in Silesia, which is a German speaking okay. part of Poland. Actually, the Poles took it from the Germans in World War One. I. I see. Okay, so um, at home, they spoke German, my mom. My dad, they spoke Yiddish, but also Polish in the streets. Right. And uh, so my father's family was religious, very religious. They went Shabbos, every Shabbos, they would go to synagogue. And uh, and he, he was one of eight kids. So they had a huge family. And uh, his mother was very, his mother was more religious than his father. And she made all the boys put on tefillin every morning. They had the daven. And they had to, when they came for breakfast, they had the vow that they put on their tefillin. <laughs> And once in a while, they had to vouch for each other in case one <laughs> cheated to tell her, that, right. yeah, he put on his film. You know? <laughs> so they were religious that way. They were not Hasidic, but they were, uh, let's say, Orthodox. Uh -huh. Okay, so uh, and his father, uh, believe it or not, uh, did a job that most, you know, it's not usually typical for Jews in those days in Poland, but he... Uh, he was actually a weaver. His father was a weaver by trade, but he knew he had connections and he had connections with a wealthy Jewish guy in a town called Dobzhin, Nadravents. And uh, the guy owned a huge ranch out in the fields outside of town. And he hired my father's father to be the foreman huh. of that ranch. It was, he had hundreds of horses, maybe thousands of cows, and a whole little village of Poles uh -huh. uh, that worked there. Yeah. And my father was put in charge. My father's father, my grandfather, who is the same name as me, Iser Bear Flam, and uh, he, uh, he was in charge of that. So my dad grew up in that farm environment. Uh -huh. In fact, he said uh, every day when he was a baby, they would bathe him in milk. Huh. They had milk coming out their ears, you know. <laughs> So they would so, just be. So, what kind of uh, education did your father have? What kind of career did? did well, he uh, he. Uh, after a few years, that farm was sold to a non-Jew who got basically got rid of my father's right. father, and so they went to the town, that little town nearby Dobzhin, another events, and uh, and then things were getting tough. Uh, because they didn't really have a, a good trade and a good business. And they kind of lived uh, 
by the generosity of a baker's family, which was very dear to them. They lived upstairs above a bakery. And, uh, and in the beginning, my grandfather had a couple of horses. He would and a wagon and he would do deliveries and that kind of thing. But then the horses got sick and they died and they were living hand to mouth, basically. It was, it was kind of a difficult uh, living. And two of my father's brothers, the older ones, were working as uh, down in the bakery, uh, you know, learning the trade. Right. So you're so, eight, eight brothers and a very no, difficult- Eight brothers and sisters, eight brothers uh, and sisters. Yeah, and a lot, so, of, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people to feed. Yeah, a lot of people to feed. And uh, in fact, uh, that was a part of the problem, uh, the difficulties. Uh, they, would, they would have to eat lean most of the week. But as I said, they were religious, so they saved up for Shabbos. Friday night was a banquet. Every Friday, every Friday night, no matter what, they saved during the week, and they had a banquet for Shabbos. And the baker down below always sent up a servant with a beautiful challah nice. for them. So they had a nice challah nice. every every Shabbos. Now these so, are uh, memories. These are memories your father was sharing with you, right? Yes, he he. My father told me all of his stories over since I was a little kid. He would tell me all of his stories sometimes over and over again, mm -hmm. until it became just part of my memory. Right. My mother and my mom told me a few things, but as I said, not too much. So I know my father's. What about your mother's? Are, what about your mother's memories of her growing up? Yes, she. Um, as I said, she was living in a German area and her parents owned a tavern. They were the, they, so they ran a tavern and it was, it catered mostly to Polish miners because it was an area where there were mines mm -hmm. and uh, they would come up, they'd want to have, you know, their, their schnapps or whatever in the evening. And uh, they catered to, the, to those people and they would interact with those people and be friendly with those people. And they, she was in a town called Schwentochlovich. Uh, I think the name has changed over the years, but uh, that's what it was then. And as I said, it was a German-speaking area. And uh, she remembers uh, the tavern and her parents uh, interacting with the clients and so on. And now she, she was not quite so religious. She, she would, I would say, you would probably classify as like conservative. They were identifying Jewish. They would do the major holidays, but it wasn't like a daily thing. Uh -huh. And then the parents would send her to Hebrew school. They had to go to a nearby town. They didn't have one in her town. So they would send her to a nearby town for, for Hebrew school to learn her background. Uh -huh. And uh, <clears throat> so both of them were in their late teens when the war broke out. And, uh, and what year, when, what year in 1939, 39, 39. 39 yeah. yeah. So my dad was uh, 17. Uh, my mom was probably like uh, 15, 16. And uh, when the Nazis came in and uh, immediately they started rounding up young men and young women also to do grunt work for them. Uh -huh. So in fact, in the beginning, when the war first started, it wasn't like uh, concentration camps and formal places that they punished people and so on. It was more or less uh, just kind of conscripting people off the street. They needed people to do this job or they needed them to do that kind of job. They would grab you off the street. 
And in fact, the first thing that happened is my dad, his father, and a and one or two older brothers were grabbed off the street, and they were put to work uh, tearing down a uh, a, uh, a Hasidic campus. The Gera Rebbe was a well-known uh, Hasidic movement, and they had a whole campus of buildings and so on. And, my dad and his gang were forced to start tearing it down. Now, were they, where, were they already? Where no, they had cars? moved. Okay, I, I didn't mention. They moved out of the town I originally mentioned because of my, they, his parents actually came from Alexandrov near Lodz. It's a suburb of Lodz. Uh -huh. That's where they originally came from. And they decided things are getting bad. There were rumors war was going to come. They said, let's go over there. It's, it's a bigger location it's not a little town it's more people we might be safer plus he's they got relatives over there so they they said let's go over there so they sent my dad ahead of time my dad was kind of the go-getter of the family he was only a 17 but they whenever they needed something done they would trust my dad and send him because he always did things he was conscientious and he was creative and resourceful uh -huh. so they sent him ahead to the town Alexandra. This is, this is Lodge or the near Lodge. Yeah. Near Lodge. Okay. Yeah. Alexandra. And um, so he found he he befriended somebody, or no, it was actually a relative who was in the shoemaking business. And he took my dad and helped uh -huh. brought him in. He's, and they actually started a little business because everybody was panicking. They're worried that the Germans are going to come. And people started worrying, how am I what am I going to do? How am I going to hide my gold? coins and things like that so uh my dad and this guy came up with a business of they would modify people's shoes okay and they would open up the heel and make a little hiding hiding area in the heel so you could put coins and other valuables jewelry and then you would close it up and nobody knew you had it you could that they is. could search you and of course eventually they figured it out but right but there was a big business for a while yeah. of making these modifications to shoes and my dad was making good money. So he called the rest of the family over. He said, come on over to this town. And they moved also there. And uh, so they lived there for a few months. And, now, uh, can, I, can I ask you, your title is under my Bubby's wing. Is the uh, Bubby yeah, okay. your father's mother? Yes, it was my father's father's uh, mommy, uh, mommy, okay. or mom. Your, gra yeah, so your, your grandmother. It's no, my grandmother and father are his, my dad's parents. This is the grandmother of my father. So it's my great grandmother. Okay, your great grandmother. But okay. remember, I told the story, I didn't mention yet. I tell the story from my dad's first person. Yes. So it's as if he's telling the story. Right. So when he says, My Bubba's wings, it means my father is, it's my father's Bubba. Yep. So uh, she, uh, he was the, her most beloved grandchild. She she just she loved him dearly, and uh, <clears throat> when he was little, she lived with them, and uh, he would always help her. She would she would always cook his favorite meal, lakshan with yoach, chicken noodle soup, which he loved. And then she died about seven years before the war, but he always remembered her with love. And uh, so after this first after uh, another ordeal, I did I already talked about the this short job where they were built, tearing down buildings. Then, then later on, he was actually conscripted 
and sent to Płatow near the Polish uh, truce line with the, with the uh, Russians. Because uh -huh. you remember that in the beginning, Germany made a truce with Russia. Uh -huh. They said, we'll take half of Poland. You take the other half. We'll share it. And so the Russians uh, came in and they took the eastern half of Poland. And at that boundary, uh, they didn't trust each other. So the Germans were building a huge uh, anti-tank trench. Uh -huh. went, it went miles, miles and miles. They needed grunt workers to do the digging. So they, they, they conscripted out of this little, oh, I didn't mention before that, uh, they took my parents, my dad and his family and they marched them to a little town called Balimov. And that town became a ghetto where they fenced it off. It, they, the Jews came in and they lived with the Jews that were already there. The, the non-Jewish people were basically kicked out. Right. It became a, a ghetto. Jews had to live there, were living there, constrained. And, uh, and I, my, my dad said he remembers they having to beg for food from the people around them. And, and this is still, even this, this, is, this is when? Still 1939 or? Yeah, still, let's, yeah, 1939, on the end, at the north, towards the end of 39. And then uh, while he was in that town, uh, while he was in that town, a lot of people started getting typhoid fever, yeah. unsanitary conditions, you know, lice all over the place. People started getting this typhoid. And it's still, this was before the big uh, concentration camps and everything like that. Uh -huh. So it was more like still an occupation kind of environment. Uh -huh. So the Germans actually set up a clinic for the people with the typhoid. Of course, they didn't want to get sick either. So they wanted to try to control it. So they set up a clinic, put a, a Jewish doctor there and he needed, he needed nurses. He needed people to assist him. So they just uh, conscripted uh, a bunch of young people in the, in the ghetto including my dad, to be like nurses or doctor's aides. Huh. So he went to that clinic and uh, <clears throat> and the doctor loved him. Again, he was very creative and very uh, uh, resourceful. So he put him in charge of the other nurses and he got some experience helping people that were sick and so on. And he actually got typhoid the first time in that environment, but he got through it. And he survived that. But then as time went on, they conscripted him again. This time they sent him to that town, I told you, Platsov, near the uh, Russian truce line uh -huh. to go dig, to go dig uh, the trench. So they took about 40 or 50 young people out of that town, uh, Balimov, and sent them over there. So my dad went with all these guys. And he said horrible living conditions. Uh, basically, uh, everybody stuffed into an empty house. Some of them had to climb the attics. It's the only place they had to sleep in the attic. And then they'd work like horses digging this this big trench. It was an anti-tank trench. And uh, and that's the picture on the cover of my book. Do you have, showing book? That, do you have, do you have your book? Do you have your book handy? Yes. So why don't you show the picture yeah. so we can see it. And um, those of you who are listening, obviously um, Under My Bubby's Wings is available on Amazon and you certainly can 
uh, find the book. It's a terrific book. And this is a great place for us to realize we've just finished our first episode, is there? So we're going to uh, take a break here and we're going to come back on the other side and we'll hear more about Izzer's family and how this book came to be and the power of the book. So stay with us for our episode number two. <laughs> 